0: hello and welcome back to the holistic kitchen my name is chef kimber dean and i am your host today thank you all for coming back today i want to talk about why i don't cook with so many ingredients i get this question a lot why am i gluten soy corn processed sugar dairy pork peanuts hydrogenated oils artificial flavors all free of all of these things a lot of times i get asked to well, what's left? What do you eat? Do you just eat like a rabbit, like grass food all the time, lettuces? And no, there is tons of food left over. I eat nuts, legumes, vegetables, fruits, meat, bone broth, all different kinds of things. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of varieties of different plants. So I definitely have a lot left to still consume for myself. But I wanted to kind of go into this because it ties into my podcast. My cooking show, Nourished Happy Food Cookbook, Happy Baking and Desserts Cookbook. My restaurant that I used to own, Nourish Cafe and Market, was free of all those things. And I was able to create recipes, and I still do, for the meal plans, PCOS, Hashimoto's. It's funny, though, because a lot of the times when I take this into the more medical side of it, where I'm creating meal plans for customers or patients for doctors, that my recipes are already compliant most of the time. And there are different things like, you know, AIP autoimmune protocol where you can't do nuts and seeds. So then it gets a little bit more niche and you have to kind of get more creative because you don't have the other ingredients. But I've always been able to do it. It just takes some time to heal that gut and then reincorporate ingredients such as nuts and seeds, since that was my example, and then be able to eat them again. So it's not forever. It's always temporary. But yeah, I did this from my own journey of my elimination diet that really, that really helped me heal a lot by just eliminating these different foods for different reasons for my own body. But I'm going to go into each one, not all of them in such depth, but most of the ones that maybe I get more questions about that are a little bit less traditional, like gluten-free. That's so traditional now. It's everywhere. A lot of people are gluten-free for different reasons, different ailments, allergies, intolerances, just dietary restrictions based off personal belief, whatever it may be. So I'm just going to dive right in and get started. Gluten, that was the second thing I took out of my diet. The first thing I took out was sugar, which I've talked about before in previous episodes. But gluten is made up of two proteins. It's found in wheat, rye, spelt, and barley. A couple other different grains as well, but those are the top ones mostly in the United States. Um, and we today in the United States has been genetically modified for the most part and biochemically altered for mass production. And that's just for our food industry and the different ways wheat is used. Number one way is as a preservative in most processed foods on our store shelves. And that just means that wheat that our elders ate 60 plus years ago was much healthier than our wheat today. That incorporates the soil health as well. We've totally ruined our soil health with the industrial revolution of farming and the way we till it and the way we don't replenish it so it's so important that we start looking into that and regenerative farming is doing that now and it has really really great things for the future which maybe one day we'll talk about regenerative farming on an episode I work with a lot of farmers that are doing that or want to start doing that which is amazing for our earth's health and just our communities as whole for all of our health. And then with the wheat, our bodies have a hard time recognizing this mutilated super wheat and breaking it down efficiently for nutritional value in our bodies is really hard because white flour especially, it's bleached, has the wheat germ completely removed, taking out all of its nutritional value. So wheat now, like I said, it's just become a mass-produced crop that we just want to use in the food industry. I'm in the food industry. I get using cheaper and not only cheaper ingredients, but ingredients that last longer. You know, have a longer shelf life that helps you. It's hard in the food industry. It's not like having a shirt or retail items out that last forever. If something has an expiration date on it, it's a lot harder when you're a business owner because you have to move that product. If not, it's just loss. Food cost loss. You can't, there's nothing you can really do with that. It's not like something that, like I said, has a long shelf life on your store shelves. Um, so that's just something we'd used for a lot too. And I removed it because I was intolerant, but I know so many people now that are allergic to gluten or we have to remove it. Maybe it's for a thyroid issue, a hormone, a different hormone issue, whatever it may be. So that's something I have definitely resonated with a lot of my followers and a lot of my clients with. I work with Beyond Celiac. I've done their pancake breakfast in Kansas City multiple times for their 5k and they're just great people doing great things. So gluten is a really big problem for a lot of people, not all. I'm going to say everybody is different. So each of these ingredients are going to affect people differently. Some people can have it without an issue or they just don't know they're having an issue. Some people are totally fine eating these things. So again, this is just The side of it that I see from not using it and how it helped my body heal and how it helps others with similar intolerances, symptoms, reactions, how it helps them heal. The next thing I took out after gluten was soy. So soy is another mass-produced crop. It's readily available here in the U.S. I was always confused in the beginning whether soy was good for me or not because there was a lot of conflicting research and information and articles out there. Soy, yes, can be good for our bodies when mostly it's fermented. So tempeh, different sort of fermented soy recipes, that is not common in the U.S. We have a lot of unfermented soy products, milks, edamame, things like that, which those contain large quantities of natural toxins or antinutrients. And that creates an environment in the body that is unable to properly digest and break down the protein in soy. So that can be really harmful for people. It can also, the unfermented soy, lead to a number of risks, including growth problems in children. Um, It interferes with protein digestion. It may cause pancreatic disorders. It may cause infertility. It can promote breast cancer in adult women. It can cause thyroid issues, hyperthyroid issues. Increases the body requirements of vitamins B12 and D. It can increase the rate of prostate cancer. It has high levels of aluminum sometimes that are really toxic to the nervous system and kidneys. And in infants, soy formula has been linked to autoimmune thyroid disease. Soy also has estrogen mimicking enzymes that can cause our bodies a hormone imbalance that can lead to disease or cancer. There is a lot of research going on with stem cell research that's been able to heal certain people and the unfermented soy. So just really, again, knowing your product, knowing where it's coming from, making sure that it is organic always, whether it be gluten soy or anything else we talk about, if you are going to consume those ingredients. The next one is corn. I took out corn at the same time I took out soy. And unfortunately, all GMO foods that are produced by companies like mostly known as Monsanto, which was bought out by Bayer a couple years ago. It's able to grow in depleted soils that hold less nutrients. So therefore, you definitely want to go organic. Like I said, check for the GMO labeling when buying corn or any corn containing products. So knowing that corn is another really mass produced crop like gluten and soy that are used for Binders or ingredients that help preserve that processed food you may be buying. So, just making sure that you're looking for that. Um, and then, GMO corn doesn't contain the same level of beneficial vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that organic corn has. It's the number one grown crop in the United States and currently the second most genetically modified ingredient in the world, and that's second to soy. So corn has undergone a DNA change that can now resist pathogens and herbicides. And it produces its own pesticides from insects from the inside out. And I actually personally went to a farm before I opened Nourish here in Columbia, Missouri, and they said they had a grass-fed beef farm. So we were really excited. My business partner and I went, we were looking for ground beef and different beef cuts, and then also the bones for bone broth. And when we got there, we asked, you know, are they grass finished? And the farmer said, no, they're actually corn finished or grain finished. And the farmer also had, we took a tour of the farm and, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of acres of corn being grown at the time. And when I asked him about this, about the herbicide or the pesticide that now corn can produce from the inside out, he did confirm that that was true and that is now how corn is grown for the farmers. And, you know, as a farmer, I get their perspective. They see it as a way to protect their crop. You know, for me, it's food. I don't get to use preservatives. So, you know, it's about really regulating your food costs in a restaurant like I had, but them as a farmer, I get that too. You know, they have crops that can be affected so much by the weather. I can't tell you how many winters we had here in Missouri, that flooding, the cold, too much heat without rain whatever it was that's their livelihood so it's a very delicate balance in the ecosystem of food farm to table and organics you don't have all of these other layers that protect you like a genetically modified farm or a company whether it be food or a restaurant like a brand or a packaged food that has preservatives, that can really help you with your food cost. Trust me. I know for a fact that I have had the hardest restaurant in America, if not in the world. And without those things, it is thousands of times harder, but it's so worth it to see people heal. So I will always, always do what I'm doing. Um, With that being said, let's talk about some of the health concerns of just some GMO foods, um, just so that we can, all know that no matter what it may be genetically modified, we know that wheat, corn, soy, and rice are the four top ingredients or food products that are genetically modified and grown in the world. So that's a huge genetically modified area or those ingredients, they take about 60 to 80% of our food supply So those ingredients are causing so much illness and some health concerns with genetically modified foods, those and others, um, changes in the gut environment, leaky gut's a big one, increased risk for antibiotic resistance, problems with hormonal function, which is the endocrine system, disorders of the reproductive system, which I've worked with a lot of people from Nourish and privately with reproductive system issues. And I know a lot of doctors that have too which is not normal. And then increases in aging. And those symptoms obviously are going to come because of all of the concerns that GMO products are going to slow down in the organs, the blood, the bones, whatever it may be. So just being aware that genetically modified foods are not nutritional. They're not full of vitamins and minerals for you or water or just clean, fresh ingredients that are going to heal and fuel your body. So really Looking locally, if you can't find organic, I think that's the best because you can really talk to those farmers about their processes and if they rinse and what they're really doing. And I guarantee it's probably a less toxic load than big chains that are just trying to keep their product alive to get to your table so they can make a dollar. So that's my two cents there. Dairy was another big one I took out. That was another one that was so confusing to me in the beginning because we're flooded with propaganda and advertisements from the food industry and the dairy industry that dairy is healthy. It's good for our bones. It's full of calcium. You know, kale has like 10 times more calcium than dairy. So just being mindful that those are companies that want you to buy their product. You know, that people say you vote with your dollars. I think people just kind of like, like blow that off. But it's so true. The money you're giving to different companies Those are the companies that are either healing or killing your children slowly in the future, your loved ones, so it's a really big deal to me. Um, But we know that dairy is really toxic. I could do a whole podcast on dairy, just some quick things. You know, People that follow a dairy-free diet, obviously for different reasons, but for most people, they're just searching for relief from things like digestive issues, bloating, skin problems like acne, rosacea, respiratory conditions that come from eating dairy products, cancers, disease, lots of things tied to dairy. So just being aware. And I like to remind people that, you know, cows are a mammal. Humans are a mammal. We're different breeds. And we create specific antibodies in our breast milk for our offspring, whether we are for ours or theirs. So we're not meant to be drinking dairy milk. That is a milk made for a calf to fuel that calf. It's not made for humans. So, yes, I know there are a lot of people, especially around here, that drink raw dairy milk, and that is great. If that helps you and that heals you, like I said, everybody is different, but for the majority, we weren't made to drink that milk. Um, Another thing to think about with dairy, the synthetic hormones and antibiotics that are found in dairy milk or products are really harmful for humans. So if you are getting it, local raw is always what I tell people. Or like we use a local cheese farmer and a local dairy farmer we did at Nourish. And we did make sure that they were just the highest quality without the synthetic hormones, the antibiotics, so that the people that did drink it were getting the highest quality without all these side effects. So there is always ways to find the healthy option no matter what it is, except for hydrogenated oils because (laughs) these are going to be your seed oils, your canola oils, soybean, peanut, um, grape seed, all of those sorts of things, corn oils, and those are just not things you want in your body. So food companies began using hydrogenated oils to help increase the shelf life and save costs. Ooh, same with everything else we've talked about. So hydrogenation is a process in which a liquid of unsaturated fat is turned into a solid fat by adding hydrogen. During this manufactured partially hydrogenated process, a type of fat called trans fat is made. So that is how trans fat is made, in case you didn't know. And since the partially hydrogenated oil contains trans fat, it's best to avoid any food product that contains partially hydrogenated oil. So any oil that may say that on the back of it, safflower and sunflower are really big on health food products, I've noticed. So staying away from that. My favorite healthy oils that I cook with at home, the restaurant and in my recipes or for any catering I do, it's going to be avocado, coconut, and olive oil. And there's a lot of research coming out now that extra virgin olive oil, that smoke point chart that we talk about sometimes with oils, it actually doesn't get affected. So a lot of people are cooking with extra virgin olive oil now, not just using it in things like hummuses and salad dressings. So just a cool little fact about that, but those are my three favorites. And then refined sugars. So I've talked a lot about refined sugars just in my own journey when I got clean. Sugar was the first thing I got rid of. And you can go back and listen to those. But just remembering that added sugar, whether it be you know, an artificial sweetener or cane sugar, brown sugar, I use only coconut sugar, honey, and maple. Um, I don't even use agave because of the way it's processed. But any added sugar high fructose, corn syrup, things like that can significantly increase your risk of early death. And we know this. There's so much data out there. Follow any holistic, integrative, functional me- medicine doctor, and you will see that they agree with that. Um, it, sugar impacts your brain function. It can cause non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it can increase your risk of heart disease. Those are just things people don't even think about when they think about sugar. People just think about obesity most of the time. And added sugars appear to increase the risk of breast cancer and metastasis in the lungs. So just being aware that all organs are going to be affected by cancer. It's just something that wreaks havoc on your body. So really trying to eliminate that. So a lot of my recipes, especially the savory one, there is no sugar. I don't need maple. I don't need any of that while I'm cooking something with vegetables, legumes, nuts, seeds, meat. That just, to me, just seems like wasted sugar being added to your diet. Don't get me wrong. I have a sweet tooth. I love baking. I'm a baker through and through with my training, but I save it for, you know, once a week and I make sure that I am very conscious of the sugar I'm eating and how it makes me feel afterwards. So paying attention to that. Now I do eat meat. I eat fish, turkey, chicken, beef, bison, venison. The only meat I really don't eat is pork. Um, It's the only meat that holds toxins in its fat cells and contains parasites a lot of the time. And we already have parasites in us for the most part. We can talk about that a different time. So I just don't do pork and I haven't had pork since I was 17. So 19 years ago, pretty crazy. Uh, Peanuts. I don't do peanuts. That one, personally, I got eczema from it. So I just stopped eating them. But as I grew as a chef, doing what I'm doing with my cookbook and my restaurant and my catering, a lot of people can't have peanuts. And it's not just the allergy. It's different dietary restrictions, different health issues. So very interesting to me. Um, Peanuts are actually legumes. And there are about three million people in the U.S. So it's about one to 2% of the population that has a peanut allergy. Um, This is why peanuts are among the big eight food allergies. So another reason why my recipes are so great for everyone. Peanuts are also high in omega-6 fats and low in omega-3 fats. And that can add to the imbalance ratio of omega-3 to sixes, which is just really common in Americans today, mostly because of the hydrogenated oils, honestly, and all that processed food. Another issue with peanut nutrition is that it's grown in the ground and it's really moist. So that causes the development of mold or mycotoxins. The mold on peanuts can grow a fungus and that can affect the health of your gut. Just being aware of that. The mold is the number one reason. I know people don't eat peanuts or can't because they actually are trying to get mold out of their own bodies. So just being very aware of that. Uh, peanuts have also been linked to food sensitivities, like gut syndrome, and a slow metabolism. And that's because the fungus that's found in your gut can actually compete with probiotics in your gut and thus damage digestive health. So peanuts just can wreak havoc too. And you know, a lot of people eat peanut butter. That's like one of those cliche health foods. So If you are getting it, Get it without the hydrogenated oils, without the added sugar, and maybe just sea salt. And of course, organic. That's huge for me. So, any artificial ingredients I'm not going to use just because it wreaks heavy on the body. That would be things like MSG, trans fat, artificial sweeteners, any sort of endocrine disruptor, GMOs, or glyphosate, which then leads me into organic. So, I am always doing organic as much as possible. I try really hard to support the local organic farmers, but organic is huge for me in my house and anyone else I'm trying to feed. I know that the budget isn't always there, and I always give my private clients options with that, finding brands, if they can't do organic, that have the least amount of preservatives and GMOs in it. But you know, organic food production bans the use of chemical pesticides, synthetic fertilizers, sewage sludge, ionizing radiation, and bioengineering, which is just GMO. So it's really important, if you can, to try and vote with with your dollars and find those organic produce. To earn the organic label, the government-approved certifier inspects the farm and approves the food production. This happens to make sure the grower is following the rules set by the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA, Eating organic food reduces your risk of cancer, too, because it does take out that glyphosate load, the pesticides, the herbicides, things like that. And usually the soil health is better. So you're getting more vitamins and minerals. I know that that helps, too, by reducing your risk for, I believe it's up to 25%. So it's a really big deal. If you can't eat organic, the best thing to do is every year... A list comes out called the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. You can find it all over the internet. There's so many doctors that share it. The Clean 15 are just the ones that you want to eat without the pesticides, the glyphosate on it, the Dirty Dozen. It's just, please don't buy those if they're not organic. I would say skip them all together just because they're like a sponge and their skins will just absorb that glyphosate. And it's also the processing of the farm. I know things like garbanzo beans are sprayed three different times at seed seed once they've grown and once they've been produced with glyphosate. So hummus, store-bought hummus, usually is one of the most toxic foods you could be eating in the store. So you think, oh, I'm eating hummus. This is so healthy, so great. And then you find out the glyphosate load is so high, it's just wreaking havoc on your body. It's just really frustrating when things like that happen. But I hope you all really loved my episode. I hope you all enjoyed Hearing about why I don't use the things I don't use and why you see that stamp of approval on my happiness drinks company product, on my cookbooks, on my catering and on nourish while I was there. I just I feel very strongly about giving people the most nutrient dense food and teaching them how to heal their bodies. So Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Holistic Kitchen. Don't forget to share and like with your friends if you thought this was interesting, fun, and something that can help your friends heal themselves and the world. You can also follow me on chefkimberdeen.com, happinessdrinksco.com. I have my blogs on both. You can follow me on Instagram at @chefkimberdeen or Chef Kimberdeen and HappinessDrinksCo. Facebook and YouTube. Again, Chef Ember I have my nourish season on YouTube. And don't forget, share this with your friends. Follow me. If you have any questions or you have an episode idea that you want me to talk about, please reach out all the different ways you can. I'm sure I'll get back to you at some point. And don't forget to nourish from the inside out. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or any other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help on your journey, please seek out a qualified medical practitioner.